Annie, I'm involved in a fairly complicated investigation requiring my complete attention. <laughs> Yet I spend most of my time thinking of you. I know the feeling. I've been seeing your face in the fried eggs all this morning. <laughs> you know, there are those who believe in a scientific basis for attraction. It's chemical. Is that what it is? I don't know. Welcome to Twin Peaks Rewatch from the Idle Thumbs Network. I'm Chris Remo. I'm Jake Rodkin. This week we are discussing the 28th episode of Twin Peaks, The Path to the Black Lodge. This episode is the 20th episode of Season 2. It's also known as Episode 27, if you're watching on DVDs. You'll never guess that it was written by Harley Payton and Robert Engels. You'd never guess that from anything that happens in this episode. And it was directed by Stephen Gyllenhaal father of jake and maggie gyllenhaal it first aired april 18th 1991 and it is the third to last twin peaks it's the anti-penultimate twin peaks true yes it is that uh so in this episode annie joins miss twin peaks audrey joins miss twin peaks lucy joins miss twin peaks shelly hones her speech for miss twin peaks the sex witch rigs miss twin peaks major briggs is kidnapped audrey and wheeler join the zero miles high club the petroglyph is revealed to be a map, and Wyndham Earl is playing off the board. <laughs> I, your... I was especially captivated by the first half of this episode based on this description. <laughs> Twin Peaks is rapidly coming to a close. The mystery that captivated America. What happens this week? Well, all the women join the Miss Twin Peaks contest. <laughs> yep. And a goofy man cavorts. And another goofy man uh, opens the episode. Ted Raimi's fucking goofy face. I know. Just there for like 10 seconds of screen time. That was actually the stuff that, um, just the opening shot of the chess piece in Ted Raimi's face that then yeah. starts like rocking around as, yeah. the, as the characters can't get the chess piece pushed over into the car. Right. That was like the distillation of the Peyton Engels Twin Peaks, I feel like. That one scene yeah. of just like a close-up face of a wacky dude <laughs> that then causes an awkward situation where characters can't quite do what they want to do, and right. then, but it's ultimately boring. Right. They ultimately just do it, and it's over. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh. Also, they were all wearing these crazy, I guess they were Bomb Squad guys, but they were wearing what looked like, they maybe this is what those looked like at the time? They looked like 50s sci-fi astronauts. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's that's a valid bomb squad outfit. Yeah. Um, that it had another classic sort of this era of Twin Peaks conflation of things, which I guess there's a version of this in old good Twin Peaks as well. Uh, but the like, so Rusty Tomoski, the 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 dead guy, uh, his friend is like crying in the worst way, like in the least. So like weird, like it's like a like way. smile, laugh crying. Yeah. And then, then there's like a power saw in the background and Andy is also crying. <laughs> I know. And then Cooper is like, he's taking another pawn, but he didn't tell us his move. Wyndham Earl is playing off the board. He's giving this, this cheesy thing. And then all this other shit is just exploding around. Him. I know it's that, that opening scene is funny. Cause it made me, it made me think about, uh, Peyton and Engels and what they did and didn't maybe bring to Twin Peaks. Like I always sort of associate their stuff with like the bad version of, of what Mark Frost, what I tend to associate with Mark Frost, mm -hmm. Mark Frost highs from the first season. But at the same time, like they are actually really good at 
setup of these sort of just mm-hmm. absurd multi multi character yes. multi mood situations, but they're just so bad at at the sort of subtle dark elements and sort of the, right. at handling the underpinnings of the show that it just mm-hmm. it, it just. It, it's so, just a bad TV show. Right. So I, on that, actually, did you find that this episode felt, while fundamentally bad for reasons that go beyond, like, that stretch back further than this one episode, um, it was somewhat more competent than some of the past? Yeah. yeah. It, it felt it felt like, I mean, it's felt for a while like Twin Peaks is a bad television show made by very smart people, but it feels like they kind of got a handle on, yes, on it I this agree. episode. Yeah. Like, Wyndham Earl was still insane and stupid, but occasionally kind of menacing or like interesting. Mm-hmm. But and just his his the way he the way he even though it's just like cheesy supervillain stuff, the way he plays um uh what's his name Leo getting the like when Leo's electrocuting himself, that yes. scene was actually great. And it was yeah, like, oh, Wyndham Earl actually tracks as a character for right. one where, second where start, right here. He starts off like, oh what have, no, Leo, what have you got there? Don't do that. And then oh, they're just <laughs> laughing at him. Yeah. Oh man, that yeah. was it. Was pretty brutal. It was good. Yeah, that was actually good. And he like he didn't do any like Capering weird like I am yeah. like I am a hoofed creature like <laughs> right. like dancing <laughs> right. moves like Seder in the woods. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh. I also just on the no- on the note of creepy stuff. It's obviously not quite what you'd get with with Lynch directing, but the stuff towards the end with just slow push like zooms yeah on that, environments like that stuff that successfully good, actually felt like oh we're, we're maybe coming towards a dramatic close in what i think twin peaks actually should feel right. like yeah even that, though even though the giant showing up over the old man felt incredibly forced at least uh like that didn't that didn't track for me mm-hmm. but the stuff that came after that of just like there is actually an ominous weird force that's coming right. back that even this was nice because it was it felt more about the ambiguous darkness of this town and its environment, and right. and, and la- even though this episode was also right. full the of, of what the that Black is that- Lodge specific lore dump, yeah, it, it's funny because those two things work against each other because, yeah. like, uh-huh. that the ominous pans through like familiar and just sort of tonally familiar environments. You're yeah. like, oh man, that's that's the actual darkness that lives in Twin Peaks. But then that's kind of deflated by your knowledge of Wyndham Earl earlier going. The petroglyph is a map. Right. So therefore, when those <laughs> shots came up, I was like, oh, man, is this just showing key points on Wyndham Earl's stupid, like, uh, multimedia CD-ROM? Oh, but then at the same time, it it also flipped the other direction when I was like, okay, well, if Wyndham Earl, if what he's dealing with is actually this, I can understand why someone would be attracted to it. But, like, you know, like, where, where you see a character sort of trying to demystify the completely intangible that mm-hmm. like those shots actually like 1% justified Wyndham Earl's stuff, but Wyndham Earl's stuff like 50% ruined mm-hmm. those shots. Basically. Like, I think they, the way to do that, that would make it m- make sense to me in the context of earlier Twin Peaks is if that is just Wyndham Earl's own personal subjective attempts, he doesn't see them as subjective, but like, his own attempts to understand this world in the same way that Cooper very early on attempted to apply like the t- like Tibetan, Tibetan rock throwing and like other yeah. things to att- to understand this world. I I don't like. I, well, I don't the, sh- like the that- show is saying Earl is objectively exactly. He's objectively uncovering the actual right, and that's the part mystery. that is like totally cheesy and doesn't track at all with this show, especially because in this episode it's like oh. Earl wasn't here for Cooper at all. He was here for this shit, and it's like really. So it's just. 
It just really is full on soap sorry, opera. Sorry, now. What, what you meant, Twin Peaks, is that he was actually there for both things because neither of them are like faints or head fakes at all. Mm-hmm. He is, in fact, involved in Cooper's past and is terrorizing Cooper, right. using things from his past, and is there for revenge and is also there for the Black Lodge. Therefore, it's just bad. Like, right. exactly. You can't. It's just. It's, it's trying to be like. It's maximum. That was soap a fake out. Yeah. Every character is completely intertwined all the time, where like there's only eight characters in the entire universe who matter yep like in the in the actual planet right. earth who matter and they're all here not only is he here for the darkness that is in twin peaks but he's also here because he was part of major briggs's secret military exactly. operation that right. is a government cover-up of twin peaks but also he killed cooper's love his wife right good yeah yep we don't need this guy also who is nadine <laughs> man we haven't seen nadine in a while no, maybe it's only maybe it's been like two weeks. Maybe it hasn't been a while. It feels like she, a while. I thought Nadine was in. No, was she was she in last week. I don't remember. Whatever. It feels like a while because so much just sort of like churn happens in these episodes now that everything feels like it was a while ago to me. Oh, I don't think anyone was murdered this week. Twist: Billy Zane's business partner was murdered. Okay, here, I have to tell you. I have to tell you something about this. So okay, <laughs> so the episode opens with with what is his name Rusty Tomoski. You know, heavy metal guy, heavy metal guy in the chess piece. And then really early in the episode, Wheeler is like, I have to go. My, <laughs> My friend just died. And I'm like, holy shit. Was his like close friend fucking heavy metal chess piece guy? Like I went a while thinking because I wouldn't put it past the show at this point. I know. Where he's like, we actually go way back. And just for no reason, the show's like, everything's got to be connected. All these characters have to already be related. <laughs> it's like, he's my Laura Palmer. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, 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 I was like, oh my God. I thought God, it for half a second and then it was like, okay, no, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> it's, but it was still, yeah, the, 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 um, <laughs> those events happen close enough. In the show, they're only one scene apart. There's yeah. a scene in the sheriff's department before before Billy Zane. Yeah, right, it's with like, Lucy, yeah. A friend of mine was killed. No, okay, no, good. <laughs> well, what do you want to talk about? You want to talk about all the lore stuff? Yeah, let's go on a journey through lore because this episode. I mean, this episode is called "The Path to the Black Lodge," so it's just. Which, admittedly, it was called posthumously, but it is named accurately as, like, yes. if you're looking for this lore, is- look for the episode called The Path to the Black Lodge. Yes, exactly. You know, mo- and we see that most significantly when- in the video of Wyndham Earl, like, s- rattling off his spiel about the Black Lodge. Was it just me, or was he totally gold-blooming in that video? That was, like, maximum <laughs> I gold did, I didn't even think about the fact that he you was gold-blooming. Yeah, you should. It felt like he was, like, mid-century gold-blooming, though. He was, like, if if there was, like, a wacky cartoon about Jeff Goldblum finding versions of himself through time, this is, like, government government research tape lost Jeff Goldblum. Because, like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. This was, like, two years before <laughs> Jurassic Park. And all I'm so saying is This is Wyndham Earl Chaotician. Yeah. Um, that tape, man, that tape... Is is uh the stuff that he's talking about on that tape is stuff that is just straight up dumb Black Lodge dumbness. Mm-hmm. But I thought that that actor did a really good job delivering it with like a, with like a tone that makes it actually feel interesting. And again, like 
well, it feels like a thing that you would obsess over and that you would track. Okay, so and yeah. like it was it was shot well. Like yes, no, I agree. I have a, yes, I totally totally agree. I, I felt like okay, hold okay, actually yeah. say your thing and then I'll. Get well, I'm to just it. gonna say one. I think that that actor clearly is extremely competent, and when he's given good stuff to do, he knocks it out of the park. It's just that very frequently he's given stuff that's a cartoon, and that's just how he plays it. Um, that's but my assumption anyway. But he seems like there are moments where he really like gets the kind of menace or the obsession in a way that is that he that he sells the other thing is that that material on that tape is totally convincing as like this guy's gone over the deep end he's become a crazy obsessed like murderer basically in pursuit of this nonsense that he thinks is real but we know it's actually real and that actually makes it less potent for me because it's just mundane now it's just like he's sorting through the lore that everyone else is yeah if that was like him Somehow having some like intuition or like grasping at the darkness of this place, and he's trying to like constrain. He's doing the like right, but you don't know if it, on the right. Is he just completely extrapolating from one? Maybe like he saw something the way Cooper did, and then the way that he deals with it is makes this tape. But we hadn't seen the bullshit with the the petroglyph and owl cave and all this stuff, and he was just another weird point on the right. Twin Peaks insanity map. That mm-hmm. would be that would actually be really strong, right? But and, we know it's not the case, right? It it makes me wonder if that's how that character was initially conceived, and he just got plotted to death. But could be. Um, in that tape, it felt like there was a time when he walks out of frame, and you see what looks like just a woman's hair, or some, or there's just a curtain. There was some. There was. No, I didn't see this. There was this weird moment where he where he goes halfway out of frame, and there's just something in the background, and then it cuts to Cooper like squinting his eyes looking at the tv and i was like huh. am i supposed is that like right. a glimpse of his wife was that supposed to be like laura palmer was it just it nothing more and subtle I, than how this show yeah is i know now. and i was like what was that moment like if this was like mm-hmm. that was probably nothing it was probably just supposed to be cooper looking like angrily at at uh at Wyndham earl but like yeah. i saw that and was like what is going okay nothing it was nothing it was nothing <laughs> yeah. yeah man huh but anyway yeah this 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 is the episode that it's it's not the episode that anything, but there's just it 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 scratches enough at like what this storyline could have been that would yeah. maybe be good, mm-hmm. except that it also has Wyndham Earl basically building a multimedia CD ROM of, right. <laughs> of the Owl Cave petroglyph. <laughs> yep, that was that was so incompetently done. It was it was it was almost impossible to to watch. Yeah, where like it had those cheesy like badly compressed video overlays of the map overlaying with the Twin Peaks map and then the route uh, like the route in red like blinked mm-hmm. three or four times as he like jauntily presses three or four keys randomly yep. on the keyboard and then before the camera cuts away the animation of the map's overlaying advances one more frame and becomes misaligned and then it cuts it's <laughs> like what is, what is happening I saw I saw a Reddit post the other day from someone who has been writing for television for like over a decade now and has been nominated for an Emmy on some, some show or something. And he said that in the writer's room on network television shows, they basically just have an industry wide one upsmanship thing running about who can make the most ludicrous computer overlays and like enhance imagery and just ridiculous password stuff like that. That is a completely knowing Oh, just winking thing how, because they know that how the target terrible. audience for those shows yeah. is not actually the people who give a shit about that. So it's just like a trolling war of each other yes. at this point of just yes. <laughs> all the like CSIs and like right. weird sort of second tier procedurals and everything. 
how much nonsense can you manage to cram into a thing and make it seem credible as a plot right, device? Right. Amazing. I know. I would I would entirely believe that. I know, me too. The temptation is actually impossible to resist as someone who makes stuff also. Like if you <laughs> cuz I don't know, I worked at a place that made some CSI computer games and a Jurassic Park computer game, it was impossible to not just put bullshit at every junction and even into the corners <laughs> of all of those screens. Right. So, it's really reassuring that cuz you know that people who even people who write for the most garbage procedural are way smarter than that job of and course, are yeah. and are only doing that job because it's their job. Right. So, that's that's amazing. Yeah. And I don't know how self-aware the stuff on Twin Peaks is, though, because it's... No, that's before it's, hard, it's hard to know, though, right? Because, it is hard because, to know. Because the guys who wrote this show mm-hmm. could have been really tapped into technology of the that's early true. 90s yeah. as just sort of because that seems like the sort of yeah, culture that would go hand in hand with, with the sort of people who make... kind of shit, yeah. So they might have thought it was hilarious, but I think they thought it was cool. Twin Peaks presents it as if the people who are making well, it think it's cool. Also, the era in which this was made and, like... The difference in attention to detail between this era of Twin Peaks and the earlier era of Twin Peaks could just be that that was handed off to somebody. Yeah. You know, like, or like, did not, maybe not just a hand it off, but didn't have the same kind of oversight that you'd have if this were like a prestige drama being shot today. Yes. Where, you know, where the director would like, there would be, or production designer would be much more. Really involved. care about yeah. the exact technology yeah. of Windermere's computer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so um, I, I don't know. Do you have anything else to say about this? Like this stuff. I mean, there's all there's obviously Briggs being captured and and given some fucked around with, and then just given a like magical truth serum. Um, they, it, oh, the, it, I, it, it was suspicious. I thought that not suspicious, but it was dumb that he's just like, I'm going to go take a walk in the woods, and that's a great idea. Go do that. That's always worked out. I know well. that was a little silly. The petroglyph being a map, mm-hmm. and this being actual deep-seated lore that's been secretly in Twin Peaks for the entire season, the real uh, the realization that they had a map of Twin Peaks drawn up on the chalkboard for the entirety of season two, and then erased it and put up a full drawing of the petroglyph on that chalkboard, actually really depressed me because it made me realize that they had been hoping for this, like they had secretly been building towards this for probably like ten plus episodes. That really made me sad. <laughs> why do you? Why do you? Why do you think that? Because if the petroglyph is actually a map of Twin Peaks and it was under their noses the entire time, they yeah. literally replaced a full scale map of Twin Peaks with a drawing with, yeah, yeah, yeah. that lines up exactly with the thing that they erased, mm-hmm. like so poignant right, and like yeah, yeah, elusive. Yeah. yeah, it just made me like because I had been sort of hoping in the back of my mind, like, are they? Are they? Is this stuff just stuff that's being pulled out of a hat now to? wrap up all this lore no this is just what it was and i don't know enough about the history of twin peaks to know whose brain this stuff came from but i and like we've been laying a lot of blame for even the lore stuff at the feet of of peyton and angles but i bet that a lot of this stuff is also mark frost probably so because Wyndham earl is name dropped in like the first episode of season two Mm, that's true because either albert it's albert or gordon who i think it's albert and cooper have breakfast in the great northern Mm mm-hmm and Al- it is Albert, I think, and he's like, just so you know, when Merle escaped. Yeah, right. You're right. I forgot about that. And I, th- so like, yeah, the seeds of this trash have been here for so long that it's basically like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if you were doing an insurance assessment on Twin Peaks and you had to, and you bring in the claims adjuster who traces the damage back, he'd be like, <laughs> it's totaled. Sorry. There's no, there's, n- you can't go back can't and replace this. this. Yeah. <laughs> you'd look all the way back to, like ninth episode or tenth episode yeah. of the show of the thirty episode show. How about uh, how about 
Wyndham Earl and Leo in that weird horse costume shooting Briggs. That was such a weird image. <laughs> I both hated it and liked it like know, so much right? of the yeah. show. Yeah. Where like if if there was if there was not so much other baggage attached, I would actually be down for mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. like this guy like a guy in a horse costume showing up in like plain daylight. It had a feeling like of there's there's like a type of horror yes, that works def- really definitely. well in plain daylight. Yes, yes, for sure. And then the guy just saying, Leo, we finally found a job for you, but you never even see Leo and you just know that he's the butt of the horse. Right, like, yeah, yep. it, it all worked, but it was also stupid as fuck and really annoying because I think it's like, this also is just, this is like the cake topper of Winnemarle disguises, right? right. Like, it just like, <laughs> yes, just, yes. okay, what, how can we one up all of his other bullshit? Okay, we'll just put I him in a if horse they costume. This was a thing that people, that like, fa- was like the, his equivalent of a catchphrase. Where fans are just like can't wait each week to see his new disguise. Like, did they think that's what was happening? I have no idea. But I actually I liked the complete insanity of Briggs being out in the woods and just a horse comes up and shoots him with oh, a yeah. tranquilizer dart. It was yeah. like that was that was mm-hmm. totally fine. Yeah, it was worth it for the image for sure. Because it it also it was so it was so out there, but also just like the way that it was shot was so benign. And again, Earl didn't do any of his wacky cavorting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You actually like I was against all odds that that scene, which is is still stupid. Let us not forget that it is the stupidest garbage. Like for a, unsettling for a, a way, second, though. I was able yeah. to actually be like, if this actually happened, it would be fucked. Mm-hmm. It would be actually totally scary and weird. Mm-hmm. Whereas usually with Wyndham earlier, like this, the only other one was when he showed up as the doctor and talked to Donna, right? Because that was mm-hmm. also like, yes. oh, if this actually happened, it would be it would be menacing. It would just be the creepiest. Yes, like, yeah, for sure. Um, all right, so do you want to talk about? We can talk about Lucy and Andy, I guess. <laughs> I mean, it's really quick. in twenty-four hours. Really I will choose the father of my child yeah. tonight on invitation to love. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe we've totally dropped that. That shows that Mark Frost probably has not been as involved as we. I know, because like. again, <laughs> man, imagine that scene had invitation to love been on, and then also a character in that scene had basically said the same thing as Lucy, like yes. three seconds later, right? I would not have minded. It's Lucy, she has, doesn't she have a TV in her little? Alcove? I believe. I feel like she does, or she has. But like, yeah, yeah. If if she had said her exact what lines, an opportunity. That's incredible that they let that lie fallow for so long. I know, especially now that the show is thirty times more extreme. Yeah, I've heard that um, someone on our forums, I think, said that David Lynch did not like Invitation to Love. Oh, bummer. And it makes me wonder if it was removed to sort of appease Lynch. But that's again. The most that, like that's total conjecture. What a token, but like so, also what a token offering right. given the rest of the you show. Dive into the into the silverware soap opera pool and then cut out your ability to comment on that is mm-hmm. a is a is a bummer. Like Invitation to Love has showed up once, like in the last fifteen episodes, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, the only the only other comment I had about this scene was that was a, it was a pretty classic exchange in a lot of ways between Lucy and Andy. Mm-hmm. Um, Andy reminded me in a very very direct way of a second graders like andy's understanding of environmentalism is a second graders understanding of environmentalism and the thing that was funny for me the funny thing for me to reflect on about that was that he when this episode aired i think i was in second grade and i remember very vividly in second grade learning about environmentalism because california was also in a really terrible drought at the time like it is now this one's actually worse but but the 1992 one was i think the second worst in recent memory after this one 
And so when I was in that, we learned a lot about like saving the planet and like being environmentally good. And the way that Andy talked about it was just like, I would have been talking in these same sentences as a second grader, literally at the same time this show was on the air where he's, he's yeah, it feels like like it's the exact, don't throw beer cans in the lake and styrofoam never dies for as long as you live. Like just the, it was weird to me to, to hear that. Yep. Yeah. And then Lucy is like shocked by this. But styrofoam never dies for as long as you live. Whoever writes those Andy lines, there's a really good, like, weird, uh, I don't know, co- like those, the way those phrases are constructed is very specific to that character. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny to me. Um, you want to talk about Ben Horn, Doc Hayward, all that stuff? Gone. Yeah, sure. I mean, the, this is the... Ben Horn has some dealings with Donna's mother in her past, as mm-hmm. revealed from a couple episodes ago when he brought her flowers and showed up at the house. And it seems like a pretty big, cheesy ad to be dropping into the storyline this late. I know, right? Although, again, this episode handled that stuff better than I was expecting it to. That's like, true. it was, it was the scene with Doc Hayward and Ben was like good. It was two of the best actors left mm-hmm. on the show yes, having a scene absolutely. together. How- Having a scene which was which was so nice because it wasn't just antagonistic. It was a thing that this show almost never, never does anymore. Um, I, I associate this very much with um, with uh, Ed and Norma. Yeah, of course. Um, but like two adults in a bad situation relating to each other as adults and trying to do the right thing, what it, but not really knowing what that means. Right. And like that, that is a dynamic that this show is almost entirely discarded as a, as adults, adulthood is not really a thing anymore. Now it's just like people solving a wacky lore mystery. Yeah, it's caricatures. Like, yeah. Um, so it was really nice to have that scene between Doc Hayward yep. and Ben Horn who like are not, I didn't get the sense that Ben Horn was like being a weird power play asshole. He was just like, I need to try and like figure this out because I, it's obviously been like haunting him for a long time. Yep. Um, and Hayward's like pain at that, uh, but also kind of appreciation of Horn trying to not just be like an unrepentant dick about right. everything. And is really the, nice. It's not explicitly said what they're talking about either. And I mean, the implication is that Ben Horn is Donna's dad, obviously, because right. she yeah. looks through the family mm-hmm. records in the mm-hmm. attic in a scene that I also liked. Like that was we a haven't had, seen. Uh, like it just. It was shot really nicely. Well, the thing that really made it was how There's, great those photos were. Yeah, the, the photos. Like 70s, presumably yeah, the, like early mid-70s. Yeah, the, just the, the the production design of all that stuff was really good. Mm-hmm. And Laura Flynn Boyle got a chance to actually act for a change, yep. which was really good. Um, but the way that the way that Doc Hayward and Ben were talking felt very much like Donna is oversimplifying by thinking, oh, it's just that Ben Horn is my dad. Like it feels like mm-hmm, something else, true. Something else mm-hmm. is going on that is probably not just your father is – Right, millionaire Ben Horn, mm-hmm. and not presumably rich only doctor in town. <laughs> but right. uh, yeah, but uh, it it just it all played well. I just like mm-hmm. man, why why wasn't this <laughs> why wasn't this quality of handling everywhere else? I know, yeah. But um, yeah, I. But it was nice. Uh, all right, so we then we have Audrey and Wheeler. Speaking cool. of not the speaking of the other kind of people interacting, oh my god! Uh, I'm, I'm glad. Okay, I'm glad that Pete was conscri- conscripted to oh yeah. be a member uh-huh. of this storyline yep. so that it could be saved slightly. Yes, I totally agree. 
Um, I the so so I mean we don't really need to talk about any of the lead up to the airplane scene because who cares? Um, Audrey saying to Wheeler, "I'm a virgin. I want you to make love with me in your jet." Was a high point of low points for <laughs> yeah. for this whole stupid relationship that's always been stupid. Yeah. Um, and then Pete, I guess, is just like hanging out in his car while they bone in the plane on the ground. <laughs> yeah, like they're they're making out, and then a tear comes to his eye, like like a young love tear. Yeah, yeah. And then I guess, yeah, he's just like for hours. It gets so dark. <laughs> Pete sleeps. Yeah. So. Uh, what is up with this? I guess. What are you asking? <laughs> well, Wheeler is old enough to be a successful businessman, but young enough to be having sex with a presumably underage high school student. Yeah. And it's okay in the eyes of everyone in this town. It's, yeah. It's. I don't really know how old he's supposed to be. What is he, like 30? I don't, I don't know. really know. Yeah. yeah. We'll never know. Yeah. Because he's left on a plane. <laughs> and then Audrey went fishing with Pete, which is yep. the correct that's what she I should know, have been doing yeah. all along. Probably the good old Pete, return of good Pete. Not weird like Puzzle Master Pete. Well, Puzzle Master Pete and then also just like weird temporary asshole Pete with Catherine and Josie. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, that's that. Um <laughs> there's Bobby and Shelly. Oof. This is another just like very little to discuss why is shelly still so intent on being into this guy what what on earth is the draw at this point i guess it doesn't matter it's just what happens yeah the draw is there's no one else in this town yeah that's true also okay so there's there's uh there's, bobby does give her a good editing note on her miss twin peak speech let's be honest that's here. true yes that's true it's true uh so there's there's audrey <laughs> saying to wheeler i want you to make love with me and then there's there's bobby saying to shelly I love you, Shelly, and I want to spend my time with that. What is with these weird declarations of these, like, oddly constructed declarations of love? They just use words in a slightly different way than actual people do. It's very strange. Because this episode also has, as I was saying, like, a lot of it is more competent than the last few. Well, then there's also Cooper and Annie's entire conversation, which is deliberately stilted and weird because those characters are supposed to be weird. But, like, it's true. It. Oh, man. So, well, some of that stuff I thought was just – okay, so we can already move past Bobby and Shelley because what else was there to say? Uh, so on Audrey and – and I'm sorry, on Annie and Cooper, um, there were some of those that were stilted and goofy. And there were some that were stilted and goofy in a good way and some that were stilted and goofy in a bad way. And some of it I thought just like didn't – I didn't really buy. And then some of it I totally did. So there's, there's a one just like tiny little moment when Cooper is like – there are some who believe in a, in a chemical – basis for attraction and then annie says is that what it is and then cooper says i don't know and the way he says i don't know is he's done this a few times before and i think usually with annie and kyle mclaughlin is capable of going into this genuinely bashful childlike mode where he presents like a capital i idea like a a super like cooperism basically right and then when annie like pushes back on it or like asks him to go into it he just turns into uh, like a kid. Yeah, he's like I don't know, and it's the it's really like the, the way he he rolls that n is like so it communicates so much about his mental state. It's it's tiniest tiniest micro moment, but it's it really like is potent. I think. Yep. Sadly, inside of a quagmire of garbage. I know. 
Because, yeah, it's, a, it's actually a good extension of Cooper's character, I think, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. I agree. Yep. Yes, he, he's the kind of person who's, like, so wise beyond his years in some ways and way the opposite in other ways. And they play against each other really, really nicely when he's used well. Um, I guess the only thing, I guess there's the, there's the thing with Donna Shelley, Audrey and Cooper meeting, you know, meeting together and talking about the letters. I don't really know if there's anything to say about that. No, it's, it's, it's just like, it felt like stuff we already knew just represented, but in, yeah. in a, like, and now we're going to end it tone. Um, Oh, actually, you know what? Another thing to so to go back to Cooper and Annie. Yeah, their the end of their scene in the double R was crazy, and I thought kind of interesting, and I kind of liked it. Was it to end with a handshaking thing, or was that it ends with a handshaking thing? But before that, uh, or wait, no, I don't know if that one did. I can't remember. But um, but the 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 oh, scene no. like from a really early point in that, or you know, from like midway through that scene, when all of the actual action in the scene is still them being lovey-dovey and, and being positive, we get this really slow zoom out with really dramatic music. Oh, yeah. And it's it's really intense. And nothing in the scene, nothing in the actual content of the scene is ominous in any way. Yeah, but just sort just of the, the, the world sort of pulling yeah. back and making them smaller in it was yeah. good. I mean, the only, the only, I think the log lady sitting at the very edge of the frame during that. But that I don't that. even think, I don't even I don't know if that's important was, or not. Yeah, I, I just, I don't think that's, I thought, she's there all the time. Yeah, there's that feeling of, of that music starting that it just felt evocative of mm-hmm. some of the sort of end of Leland Palmer stuff, mm-hmm, but not, yeah. not in a bad way. And then the, the plate crashes, which sort of literalizes the, Oh yeah. And then, and then it fully twin peaks out where it cuts right. the slow motion shot of the syrup dripping or whatever. Right. Yeah. 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 Yep. No, I thought that was, I thought that was yeah. good. And then, you know, since you mentioned it, that we did also get like, what I think two different people's handshakes. Yeah. Handshake in this that, episode. That, I could be missing one. I think there might've been three. There was yeah, there been three. Cooper, uh, a lady, a lady in the diner, and Pete. Okay, okay. Yeah, it just starts with a random person, but then when Cooper's looking at the blinds, thinking about Annie, and his hand starts yeah, yeah, shaking yeah. weirdly, mm-hmm. and like all of that stuff. Again, that's stuff that I would that I would be I would think is a lot cooler, and if if I if I didn't know it was atta- were attached to all of this, right? Because there's yeah. all of all of that stuff felt like it, and even like the the the, the, the camera pulling out on Cooper and Annie, and mm-hmm. then all of those ominous shots at the end, yep. it all comes together in a way that feels actually kind of twin peaksy mm-hmm. in a nice way. But yeah, it's, it's all connected to Wyndham Earl's interactive CD-ROM. <laughs> uh, all right. So the episode ends his magic map. True. Um, as we, we conclude the episode, it's before it's, it's after Miss Twin Peaks, right? It's like we get Miss Twin Peaks happens. The, um, the old man's having trouble with the microphone and then it starts mm-hmm. Having weird feedback and sparks, which is what traditionally seems that like electricity yeah, goes right. weird when uh-huh. something is yeah. going to happen. The giant comes in, and then, um, yeah, I think Cooper sees the giant. Then it actually cuts, and you get the wrap up to the Audrey storyline, and then you get, um, oh man, that's right. It um, when the giant is there, oh, because the giant is waving, no, 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 right at Cooper. Um, at, at Cooper, it's presented that way. Um. Because the order of events that happens is Annie says, I'm going to enter Miss Twin Peaks, and the giant shows up. Then Audrey's storyline ends. Then it shows Earl making his revelation that the cave painting is a map and going, <laughs> and that is right. when Earl actually becomes a crappy character again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then it cross cuts back to the giant disappearing. Right. 
and then yeah, we get stoplights, the double R, uh, that really, really good shot of Twin Peaks High, empty in the middle of the night with the lights on, uh, the interior of a hallway somewhere inside of the sheriff's department, and then just whistling trees. Mm-hmm. Oh, then the last shot, man, I totally forgot that the last shot is Bob coming back. Yes, reaching out of the. That stuff was actually really nicely done, though. I like agree, that stuff yeah. felt like like core good peaks imagery of like. Mm-hmm. I mean, it felt like it was way a little it's more very, very David Lynchian take on special effects with it's like the masked hand just coming out of nothing. Yeah, but you see, well, you see the light hit the trees, which is totally Lynch yeah, imagery, cool. and then uh-huh. Bob's hand just sort of enters into the light mm-hmm. and then the camera pans down to what I thought was a hole in the ground, but is a puddle, but yes. then they sort of play that it maybe is kind of a hole in the ground because you see in the, right, reflection, the reflection, the curtains. Of, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and like, it felt all very knowing and almost like a little bit fan servicey where mm-hmm. it's like, it's coming back, get ready. You know, yeah. like it was mm-hmm. like the most extreme, get ready for the two part finale of twin peaks. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, uh-huh. but at the same time, yeah, I was fine with that stuff. It like it 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 was it was nice. Yeah, just having Bob's hand and not his like cheesy face was was really welcome. What are you talking about? Sometimes, what did you see? Oh, you see his face, but it's like it's in the shadows, though. It's like you. Yeah, know, I mean, his body. He he's much yeah, of his body is isn't. I forgot. Yeah, you you totally do see him. Whatever. It was. I liked it. Mm-hmm. I thought that was nice. Yeah. Um. It yeah. All right, you want to uh, let's see if we have any reader mail. Um, man, it's crazy. There's only two episodes left of this. I know. I actually don't think we have any new email that isn't on things we've already, re- but stuff we haven't already read. Okay, let's skip that for this week. But if you have any uh, email about the. Um, Final two episodes of Twin Peaks. You can send them to twinpeaks at idlethumbs.net. We are so close to ending this show. I guess we have two more episodes and then the movie. Yep. Um, Weird. Uh, It feels like we've been doing this for so long. I guess we kind of have. We have. We've been doing. Okay. So (laughs) let's. For like six months now. Yeah. Let's. Let's. Well, let's think about this because a week is 52 weeks or a year is 52 weeks long and there are 30 episodes of Twin Peaks. So by the end of this, we'll have done this for more than half a year, more than six months. That's true. Yeah. Um. Right. Yeah. Well, cool. Uh, you can find our website at twinpeaksrewatch.com. Uh, you can uh, find all of our social media stuff on there, Facebook, Twitter, all that. If you would like to review us on iTunes, that is very helpful. Um, this will be an interesting podcast to have just living because it'll it'll just forever after we're done with it be an an archive an archived companion for Twin Peaks. So that's kind of cool. So those reviews will still be useful in introducing new people to the show um, for Twin Peaks rewatch, re-listen. Uh, and thank you again if you've stuck with us this long. I'm looking forward to wrapping it up. Yep. We will talk to you guys next week. Bye. Sorry I didn't say bye for too long.